This week we're going to deal with how to, how to break up with offense that maybe we're already carrying, but I wanted to stop it at first. Here's the two ways we talked about. Uh, we said that we're going to be preemptive with our daring forgiveness, and I gave you a line that being preemptive, we were going to ready our heart to steady our heart, that it is going to happen. You are going to have offense laid at your feet. Someone is going, something is going to insult you. But you have a decision to make, and I want you to be preemptive. And we talked about how to be preemptive. And the other thing that I said was that we are then going to exercise the authority that we've been given of daring forgiveness. And we have an opportunity when offense is laid at our feet to either let it lie and, and then place it where it rightfully needs to be, which is at the feet of Jesus, and let Jesus judge that. Or we can pick it up and we can become judge. And we now carry the weight and the burden. And, and we are not made to walk underneath the weight of offense. We weren't created for it. And my goal is that we would walk in 100% freedom. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. What's the remedy? <laughs> okay, be humble. That's the remedy. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take on an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, because of his attitude, because of Jesus' humility, therefore, there's always a payoff to your posture. I, I, I want to ready our hearts today. There's always a payoff to your posture. And this is the payoff. That God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Today, we're going to look at how to gain freedom from this spirit of offense, from maybe offense that you're carrying right now. Now, while we work toward this freedom from being partnered with offense, I personally believe that the greatest barrier for you and I to get past, the greatest obstacle in breaking up with offense and gaining our freedom, the freedom that you and I were created to live in, this is what I believe the barrier is, is pride. Now, not the pride of the person you're sitting next to, right? <clears throat> it, it, if you're like, you're right, you, you better listen. Your pride is my barrier. If you're thinking about that person in your brain that you're going to send this message to today, 
I want you to know something. That's your pride. So I'm not talking about other people's pride. I'm talking about your pride. This is important because if we listen with a set of ears that we're like, preach, (laughs) but you're thinking about how it's going to reach someone else, you may need to hear this today. Okay? Let's define pride. I'm going to give you a couple definitions. Number one, pride. The quality of having an excessively high or low opinion. Now, hold on a second. Time out. Back the bus up. I want to repeat this. I want us to grab a hold. We got to grab a hold of this. This is the funny thing about pride. The quality of having an excessively high or low opinion of one's worth. It's both high and low. Okay? The quality of having an excessively high or low opinion of one's worth by a disproportionate confidence and or attention to one's own skill, accomplishments, state, possessions, or position. Let me define it another way. It's over-exaggerated view of yourself through an overactive attention on your skills or your shortcomings. It's too high or it's too low. This is something important for us that sometimes it's, uh, our pride is overactive in thinking too highly of ourselves, placing ourselves in a position of, a, of superiority. We call it authority, but it's superior, it's, it's, we're, we're striving for superiority. That's pride. But there are times that we have an over-exaggerated thought life and a thought process of ourselves that we demean ourselves. Did you know that that's also pride? If you think too lowly of yourselves, it, it don't, like self-deprecation, we call that like, like the humble brag, right? It's false humility. That is pride at work. So it's both, okay? Pride is simply over-exaggerated knowledge. It's over-exaggerated knowledge. I know how great I am, so I'm gonna over-exaggerate that. I know how, I, 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 I think about myself so much how great I am, I want everyone to know it. Or I know how, how horrible I am. And I think about how horrible I am and why I don't measure up and why I'm not perfect enough. And it's over-exaggeration that we think we know it all. Let me tell you something. Pride is a know-it-all. Pride is a know-it-all. Here's the language of pride. Pride makes this awesome mistake, incredible mistake of overgeneralizing. So the language of pride being a know-it-all, oftentimes you will hear pride come out in statements that lump people groups, things, different situations into one. So pride comes out like this. All of them are bad. Everywhere I go, people are stupid. 
These are real statements. Every time you talk to me, you demean me. Every time? You always, they never. This is, an, this is a wild exaggeration. Okay? Pride is discriminant. It discriminates by being a know-it-all and lumps everybody into the same bucket. There's this passage that I want to read to you that I felt like today God drew me and my attention to because I, wa- I, I, I think this best describes, t- t- tell, me, tell me what you think here, uh, if this best describes the world we live in today. Matthew 28, 10 says, and then many will be offended. Can I just stop there? I get that you're offended. I get it. So am I. It says, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. It's like Matthew knew in advance what our world would look like today and wrote this account of Jesus. It says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You know what the root of this is? Pride. Now, I'm gonna level the playing field by saying this, we all have been know-it-alls. Haven't we? Maybe I'm being a bit prideful right now by presenting to you that I'm a know-it-all, that you've been a know-it-all. But don't let that offend you because that's your pride. And do you know what? Here's the problem with pride. It's extremely easy to see in other people. But I'm going to say it's virtually impossible to see in yourself. Pride is blind. We have to discover a way to defeat pride if we're going to walk in the freedom that we were created for. So how are we going to dismantle this partnership of offense? We're going to defeat pride. How are we going to do it? With daring humility. With daring humility. Let me describe humility for you very quickly. This is the simplest way I could define humility for you. Humility is thinking about yourself less rather than thinking less about yourself. I'm going to say that again. Humility is simply thinking less about yourself. You're so vain, you think this message is about you. There's a song that was written, right? You're so vain, you think the song was about you. You're so vain, you, th- you think that someone, some, you think that the person sitting next to you, you think that your friend that told you to watch this on our online campus sent you this because this is about you. Like, you need to listen next week. You, you're so vain, like, pri- like here's the thing. Humility is actually your ability to think less ab- about yourself. 
It's like I don't have an overactive thought process and thought life that just focuses on me. Humility is simply thinking about yourself less rather than thinking less about yourself. So today, we're going to employ daring humility to defeat pride, to destroy it, to dismantle it by three things. By reestablishing your clarity. And daring humility is going to reestablish your identity. And daring humility is going to reestablish your position. We're going to, number one, exercise. This is the first step in dismantling Dismantling pride. Is there anyone here who has the humility to admit that you need to hear this message? (laughs) Pride. Not me. Okay. Number one, we're going to exercise daring humility to reestablish your clarity. Okay, I'm going to give you some one-liners, okay? Pride diminishes your ability to clearly see things as they truly are. Pride diminishes your ability to see things clearly as they truly are. And here's the problem. We don't have clarity on who we're really standing opposed to. And so we need to overcome an opposition. But in order to overcome an opposition, we have to clearly identify our opponent. Let me say it this way. You have to define what you plan to defeat You have to define what you plan to defeat. If you can't name it, you can't change it. And if you can't define what you plan to defeat, you're going to go out for a walk and you're going to be swinging at the wind. You have to define what you're going to defeat. You can apply this in so many areas of your life. You can just take that for free, okay? No extra charge. You got to define it. If If you have a goal, there is an inherent barrier. And for you to overcome that obstacle, you have to define it so that you can oppose it. You can truly stand in opposition to it and you can defeat it. So who are you truly in opposition against when you're dealing with the fence? Now, here's a hint. It's not the person that you see in front of you. It's not a political party. It's not the people that mask or don't mask. It's not the people that vax or don't vax. It's not a people group. It's not a nation. I want you to know something, that pride has an origin. If you want to destroy something, you have to destroy it at its root. So we need to get to the origin of pride. And pride has an origin. Isaiah 14, 12 says, How you were fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, this is, this is what the language, the mind, the person of pride that we stand in opposition against, this is, this is what this entity said. I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God's far away in the north. And then in Ezekiel 28 too, it says, this same person says, in your great pride, you claim, this is, this is the claim of the proud origin. I am God. Every time, every time that I move in pride in my life, what I'm saying is, I'm God. That is a massive statement, but true. So pride says, I am God. I sit on a divine throne in the heart of the sea. Pride has an origin, and his name is Satan. 
Those scriptures are scriptures written specifically about Satan. The beauty that Satan held, but his pride got him booted out of heaven. So his goal is to get us to partner with him. And he is the chief at being proud. So if you want to break up with a fence that you might be partnered with, and we're all partnered with a fence somehow. If you want to break up with it, you got to clearly define your opponent. Name it. Like, call it out. I see you. I'm coming after you. I've named you. I've marked you. There's a target on your forehead. There's a target on your back. I'm going to dismantle you. That's the level, like that's the tenacity we have to approach this with. Daring humility allows you to have clarity on who your opponent truly is. Name him. Satan. Not people. Number two. We're going to exercise daring humility to establish your identity. Pride turns the insult into your identity. Pride will turn the insult of offense into your identity. I'm going to say that again. Pride will turn the insult of offense into your identity. Now follow me. Who I am is ultimately determined by who I'm defined by. Who you believe yourself to be is based on who you have allowed, who has determined who you are, who has defined you. And you are defined by who you are obedient to. You are defined by who you are obedient to. If you become obedient to an offense and to what it calls you and to the shame or the guilt of either, this is key, because pride is what makes you carry offense to, to say, I, I'm going to be offended. And pride also is what drives us to be offensive. And we've all done both. So if you become obedient to what offense calls you or what you've done, you take on the identity of that offense. In Philippians 2.8, it says, we just read this. It says, he, who is he? Jesus humbled himself in what? Obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. Here's what this means for you and I, that Jesus Christ is still Christ, although he experienced the insult of dying a criminal's death. <laughs> this is good news. Jesus knows that you and I are going to have to deal with the experience of insult, but he's showing us that even though we're going to experience the insult that sometimes feels like death, that we will still be who he says that we are. Jesus is not called criminal. He's called Christ. You are not your offense. You can be victimized. You can be insulted. You can be victimized without becoming a victim. Identity. And right now, what we're dealing with, 
This is my, in my humble opinion in society, is a society walking around carrying the identity of victim. So everything that you do and say that insults me, I am a victim to you. And you know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm handing all the power of, of my ability to live my life in freedom. I'm handing it over to you. I'm handing it over to a political party. I'm handing it over to a nation group, to a people. I, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Satan does not have power over you. Satan does not have power over me. He wants you to feel like you're a victim because he feels like he's a victim. He's like, I, I deserve to be seated in heavenly places, man. Doesn't God see? The scripture in Isaiah says how beautiful I am. Why don't you put me in beautiful places? Why do you got me here? Entitlement. Pride's language is entitlement. I deserve this. In America, let me, let me preface it. In America, it's this is my constitutional right. I'm really offending some people. I know I am. This is offensive. But you know what's more offensive? The fact that Jesus Christ died and he overcame death and he has purposed you to not walk as a victim, but one who has victory. And that offends our opponent. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. Like, say, you're a little bit offended, Satan. All right. Good. Good. You know, when I was younger, I'm not going to get into the backstory. I've shared some details of my, of my life. But I was deeply offended as a child over a couple things. I had been insulted. I, I, I was offended. And I remember we, we had maybe, we were two, three years after we started the church. And I was sitting with a friend of mine. We had just moved out of the Civic Center in San Marcos here. And we had moved into a building. We were excited. And I was sitting with a friend of mine who's a pastor. And, uh, and, and we were doing ministry together. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I just have a question for you. Uh, <clears throat> why... Why are you so offended? And I said, Well, this is why. Like, why? And why do you continue to do these things? I said, Well, because look at all the things that have happened to me. What he presented to me was is that what I was doing was I was walking in the identity of offense, and so I was offending people. Offended people offend people. See, I, I, I was I saw myself as a victim, and so I made everyone around me a victim but now to my offense. And, and someone, need, you, someone needs to hear this today. You are not what has been done to you. You're not. And I also want to say you are not what you have done. God's grace flows both ways. So who are you? Galatians 4, 7. Now we are no longer living like slaves under the law. You're not living like a slave under the law of missing the mark. You're not living enslaved to offense. 
but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. So who are you? Son, who are you? Daughter, what's your identity? Son, what's your identity? Daughter. I love the rest of this though. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has. It says that for we are heirs because of what God has done. No, I'm sorry, Satan. I'm an heir. I have full access. And what offense does, remember last week I said this, offense is an attempt to put a boundary around your heart to limit your capacity to live in the fullness you were created to live in. We have to kill it. We have to kill pride. And we do it when we exercise daring humility to reestablish clearly who you are and who I am. Number three, exercise daring humility to reestablish your position. When we feel dishonored, because this, really this is really what offense is. When you insult me or I feel offended or vice versa, or you, know, you, you feel like something is offensive to you. Really what, you, what you're, you may not, this may not be the language, but I want to draw attention to this. You feel dishonored. That dishonors me. It rubs me the wrong way. There's lots of language we can put around it, right? It irritates me. It frustrates me. I hate that. Makes me mad. Makes me angry. Makes me feel uncomfortable. Makes me feel awkward. It, it, it's, insults are dishonoring. And so when we feel dishonored, our pride kicks in, self-preservation. Our pride kicks in, and, th and this is what it does. It attempts to elevate us to a higher position of honor. Here's the problem with pride doing that. Pride always looks down on people. So if pride looks down on people, in order to elevate myself to a place of honor, I have to push other people down. It's impossible for you and I to elevate ourselves back to a place of honor without using people as stepping stools. Because we're trying to balance the scale, aren't we? We're trying, we, we call that equality. We call that fairness. So we, pre so we need to press people down so that I can elevate myself, that's pride. Pride only positions you, though, for future failure and dishonor. Pride has a promise. Here's pride's promise. Pride's promise is, partner with me, and you will surely have future failure and dishonor. The Passion Translation in Proverbs 16, 18 says this. Your boast becomes a prophecy of a future failure. It says the higher you lift yourself up in pride, the harder, the harder you'll fall in disgrace. Jesus was dishonored. He was insulted. And although he was elevated to the point of death by man, more importantly, he was elevated to a place of high honor by God because of his humility.
We just read this in Philippians 2.9, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Is it possible that, that the place of honor that you and I, the position that, of honor that you and I are fighting for is actually a false foundation? This is, this is what I'm saying. Pride fights for a place that only humility can truly position you in. So in pride, we think that we've arrived. Haven't you ever seen someone and like you see like, wow, they're really arrogant. They think they've arrived. We have the ability now to take on the same attitude that Jesus Christ did. At the very beginning, they said, take, have the same attitude as Jesus. What's his attitude? His attitude was humility that lifted him to a higher altitude. He's now seated in the highest place of honor with God. Can I tell you something? Daring humility is the stairway to be seated with Christ in that place. It says in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? Lift you up in honor. <clears throat> I felt like the Lord during worship said, some of you are fighting for the approval of a man. We fight harder for the approval of man than we do to understand that we've already been approved by God. Come on. Humility puts us in a position like Jesus to be able to say, I really don't care what you think about me. And it doesn't really matter what you say because I'm seated in a high place of honor and I'm gonna feel your insult. I'm gonna feel the pain of it, but I'm not gonna partner with it. But I also can't attempt to lift myself up out of this place. That I need to humble myself before, that, that today, that what I, I feel like the prescription for us is, is that we're gonna live in daring humility so that we can reestablish our position as being seated with Christ in heavenly places is what scripture tells us the place of highest honor. And the enemy has tricked us into thinking that approval of man and fighting for that approval to seat us in a high place of society, that is not what Jesus showed us. And we are gonna fight to have daring humility because I want to tell you something. It is, it is truly the only way, it's truly the only way out of what we see happening right now in society. And I don't really like the answer that I just told you. 
But me admitting that I don't like the answer is me also telling you that's pride. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna exercise daring humility to kill pride. It's gonna reestablish your opponent's true identity because you gotta name it. You have to define it if you're gonna defeat it. We're gonna exercise daring humility to kill pride. It's gonna reestablish your true identity in Christ. You are not what's been done to you and you are not what you've done. And we're gonna exercise daring humility to kill pride to reestablish our position of high honor. You and I can not elevate ourselves. Only Jesus Christ can. And we're gonna humble ourselves before him. Now, there is a purpose behind daring humility positioning you in this high place of honor. There is a purpose attached to that. And I'm going to dare to say that every single one of us want to know what our purpose is in life. How, how we can be, how we can show up fully present and we can be fully useful in life. That our full value will be seen that we'll be, we'll be fully known and that we can know people fully. Every one of us longs to know what our purpose is. And there is a purpose behind why God has seated you through daring humility in high places. And next week, you are not gonna wanna miss it because we're gonna answer this question. We are going to talk about your daring purpose. Why don't you stand with me this morning? If you're in the house, if you're in your home, you can stand there as well. Pull your car over if you're driving. Typically, I like to do something, and I usually say we can always do. We can always do something one time. Yep. Today, though, I want to walk us through something very quickly. What I'm about to do is in the notes on our app. Why don't we close our eyes real quick? See, we've all offended and we've all been offended and so we need to break up. We, we, we need to delete that dating app we keep getting back onto and running into this opponent named Satan and this circular relationship that just, it tears us down. It's time to break up. Sorry, we're gonna divorce the devil right now. All right? Here's what I want you to do. In your, in your mind, I want you to name an offense that you've partnered with. Name an offense that you've partnered with. Now, you're going to know what offense you've partnered with. By what irritates you the most. Ultimately, we've all partnered with pride. So broadly, 
This is what we're going to do. The way to break up, the way to divorce the devil is to repent from being partnered with him and to turn 180 degrees and step back in and partner with Jesus Christ so we can reestablish that position. And so we're going to do two things. We're going to pray for forgiveness if we've offended. And then in addition, we're going to pray for forgiveness if we've partnered with offense because both of them are missing the mark. And so I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I repent for offending you by partnering with the enemy. Forgive me for offending people around me. And if there's someone, I just want to say something, if there's someone that you have offended that you need to go to, insert action step. Now, thank you. I want you to say this. Thank you for being a God of grace. Thank you for being a God of forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, we've been partnered with offense. We're gonna, let's divorce it. Say, Jesus, I repent for partnering with offense. Forgive me for making an agreement with any words about me or about others not aligned with what you say about me. Thank you for being a God of grace and forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Now here's the most important part in my opinion. We're gonna tell the devil where he can go. Okay? We're gonna declare our divorce right now. I want you to do it with confidence and authority. No weak sauce, okay? Don't come up with, you're gonna get swatted, okay? I want you to come with some like fortitude here, okay? Here's what we're, we're gonna name him. Here we go. You ready? Say, Satan, devil today, I refuse to partner with you. And today, I break all agreements. I break all chains and I stand free as a child of God, as a son of the King with full access and complete freedom in Jesus' powerful name. Not today, devil. Say it again, not today, devil. I divorce you today, devil, in Jesus' name. Everybody shouted, amen and amen. I want to see you next week because we are gonna dare to walk in our purpose. Amen. Invite somebody, tell them that they need freedom today. Amen and amen.